chapter 7, 1 Kings chapter 7. Now both of those hymns, uh, well over 150 years old, and uh, old hymns, old paths, old ways, old time religion, amen? Aren't you glad you're saved this morning? All right, 1 Kings chapter 7. When you find 1 Kings chapter 7, I'll have you stand. 1 Kings chapter 7. First Kings chapter 7, I'm going to read one verse this morning. We won't take a fit and we're done like the southerners do, but at any rate, we'll read a verse and it might be a fit to some degree. The Bible says in verse number 51, So was ended all the work that King Solomon made for the house of the Lord. And Solomon brought in the things which David his father had dedicated, even the silver and the gold, and the vessels that he put among the treasures of the house of the Lord. I'm going to try to preach on the pathway of dedication this morning. I know it's out of our normal consistency of being in the book of Joshua. And we, of course, left Joshua with the failure of Ai and the bearing of Achan. But I think it's important that we embrace this topic this morning and we might preach just a little bit on it. Now, I'm going to be gone next Sunday, but I would encourage you, I would implore you, I'll use one more adjective to get it straight, beseech you to come here next Sunday. Brother Jesse Peck will be here from South Lyon, Brother Reagan's church. He is one of uh, Brother Reagan's associates there, and I believe you'll get a real blessing from his preaching. He'll be with you all day long. So uh, come encourage him if you would. He... Uh, is newer to preaching, but nonetheless, he's been sitting under a great preacher for quite some time. So you come and be a blessing. Brother Dave, would you ask the Lord's help in the preaching this morning? Amen. Yes. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Here in First Kings chapter 7, as we read in the verse, we only read one verse, and I'm uh, hoping and praying that you are familiar with your Bible in this area right here. But Solomon has finished building the temple for God. And today, uh, today's value, uh, one fellow put this value on here about uh, 10 years back. The value on this temple would be over $500 billion. $500 billion. When you stop and consider that Solomon overlaid the entire building with gold, and everything in that place was gold, uh, one preacher said it like this, the temple of Solomon was the diamond necklace for this earth. Over $500 billion, and this is never, there's never been another building like it, ever. Uh, never been another one like it, and uh, to accomplish this, supernatural feat, if you stop and consider even a building like this, even this sanctuary to overlay everything with gold. <laughs> I mean, wow. Now, some of y'all would be like taking it home, amen. <laughs> but uh, it took, this feat took dedication. It took dedication to the Lord, number one, and it took dedication to the work. Dedication to the Lord and dedication to the work. 
And of course, we're not going to go all the way back, but the work began with the reign of King David. Uh, King David, and it finished during the reign of Solomon. In preparing, it took at least, I would guess, I would guess, it took at least 40 years of preparation. And the actual construction of the building, as you read over there in uh, 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 38, it took seven years to complete. Now, that's a project. Now, I remember as a kid, I was going back and forth uh, to see my dad there in uh, Taylor and then Ypsilanti and Redford and Inkster and wherever he was at. But they were building that big bridge that uh, was called Governor Blanchard's Nightmare. That's the Zilwaukee Bridge. And that thing seemed to take forever. And uh, as a kid, we'd go down uh, and they'd be building that bridge and you'd see part of it, that towering thing in the sky there and millions and millions of dollars, and then you get stuck at the drawbridge there at Zilwaukee. You sit there for a half hour, you know, while one garbage ship went by or something like that. But in the, I believe here in this passage here, not to get off the track, but I believe in this chapter, and actually some of the preceding chapters, what you and I are going to see is a great pathway to dedication. A great pathway to dedication. And in the pathway of dedication is some good learnings that you and I can all glean from the King James Bible. Amen? And like I said in Sunday school, I'll say it again, I'm glad you're here today. You are going against the grain of the Laodicean church period. For the Laodicean church period, they are rich, they have need of nothing. And I'm thankful that you woke up this morning and said, I need something from the Lord. I need something from the Word of God, and that's what we're going to do our best to try to give you something from His Word, something that will help you, and not only in your personal relationship with Him, but in all that you do for Him. But this pathway, I want to preach about the pathway of dedication. And today we are, uh, for the most part, as a nation, we are completely dedicated to ourselves. Just let that one settle as it lands. We are completely dedicated to ourselves and the proposition that we need to do whatever we need to do. That being said, that word dedicated means devoted to a divine being or to a sacred use. The old time word for that is consecrated. It may have been some time that you may, may you've never heard of a message on consecration. And it goes hand in hand with dedication. So I'd like to look at this pathway of dedication in our Bibles and take away some things, hopefully, that will help you and me. I don't know about you, but I want to be dedicated to the Lord. I know I'm dedicated to my flesh because I haven't gotten any smaller lately. <laughs> Amen. I'll laugh if some of y'all won't. <laughs> but I'd like to be that dedicated, if not more, to the Lord. And so let us look at this pathway of dedication in the Bible and try to take some things away and devote ourselves to God and sanctify ourselves for His use. I want you to see here in the passage, uh, considering the pathway of dedication, there's a path, I believe, that's chiseled out through the couple chapters here. And first of all, when you consider that pathway, uh, I see here in uh, chapter 5, chapter 5 and verses 17 and 18, it needs the right foundation. The pathway to being dedicated to the Lord and dedicated to His work is the right foundation. And you see over there in 1 Kings chapter 5 and verse 17, it starts, it needs, it absolutely is imperative that it must have the right foundation. I believe there's a couple builders in here. You know about building, if your foundation is off, the whole thing is a joke. <laughs> Amen? Uh, the Bible says, and I don't have the, the reference, but if the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? What can you and I do without the right foundation? Nothing. <laughs> so, you know, spin our wheels. Uh, but it needs the right foundation. First Corinthians, or First Kings chapter 5, look at verse 17 and 18. And the king commanded, and they brought great stones, costly stones, and huge stones to lay the foundation of the house. And Solomon's builders and Hiram's builders did hew them. And the stone squares, so they prepared timber and stones to build the house. I see this, this pathway to dedication. It needs to have the right foundation. Your Christian life needs the right foundation. 
And notice this foundation in verse 17. It's, it's great. I mean, it's, it's a big foundation. The Bible says in verse 17 there, great stones. You've got to have a foundation. Uh, working, uh, the boys and I were, had the uh, divine privilege, I think it was divine, uh, to build some dollar generals. And you know what we learn? Man, that's quite a foundation they put under them buildings. Uh, you know, most houses in Michigan have footers, this and that and the other. But man, this foundation they put under there, I think you could have put about 20 buildings on that thing. At least you, uh, but it was big. It was great. And it was very costly. And that, that's the next thing here. Uh, it took, uh, not only is it great, it took seven years to complete. But this foundation is costly. You see that in verse 17. Can I tell you what? You can't spend enough money on your foundation. You cut corners, you're going to have a disaster. You see the correlation? You've got to have the right foundation. It takes time for that foundation to be built. It takes time for that foundation to settle. And look at it's costly in verse number 17. It says costly stones. You say, well, uh, my foundation in the Christian life to be dedicated, what is it going to cost? Well, let me tell you what, I can speak from personal experience. It costs plenty of finances. It does. You're going to live for God and be dedicated to the Lord and what He wants you to do, dedicated to God and dedicated to His work. It's going to cost finances. Somebody say amen again. Amen. It costs to serve the Lord. Now listen, salvation was absolutely free. Ain't that a blessing? He didn't charge you a dime for it. But if you're going to live for Him, it's going to cost you everything you got. I don't even know if that's good English or not. Everything you have. <laughs> And then some. But not only that, it's cost me finances. It's cost me some friends to get the right foundation. It's cost some of you friends. You say, why? Because you go to Bible Believers Baptist Church of Tallah City. Well, I don't, I ain't a big deal. I ain't a big deal. It is a big deal. You got to get the right foundation. It's going to cost you finances. I mean, no one paid you to come here this morning, right? Some of you drove from another county. That costs, right? Now, if some of y'all live down the road, <coughs> praise the Lord for you. <laughs> I drive from another county, but it's my choice. You say, why? House is paid off in January, amen. <laughs> but it costs. It, uh, it's not free to get in your car and turn the ignition on, is it? It costs money. The Lord knows that. The Lord sees that. And if you perchance hit that box to help the work of God in here, it costs money. I don't, unless you've got a little print machine in your house, and if that's the case, we need to have a men's meeting after church and fix the finances, amen? <laughs> but it's going to cost finances. It's going to cost you friends, isn't it? Can I tell you from personal experience, it costs you family. It's costing me family. I took a stand on the King James Bible, and I didn't do everything right, and I didn't have the right estimation and the right evaluation and any other Asian that there was there. Uh, but it cost me family. It cost me fellowship with some of my family because now I was a cult member. Why? Because I wanted the right foundation. I wanted one that wasn't on sinking sand. You see, in this pathway to dedication, one of the most important things that they start with is your foundation. It's great. It's going to take time. You do not pour the foundation. Listen, I know you can pour concrete and walk away from it, but in your life for Jesus Christ, I, Jesus Christ is the foundation, but what you put along with that, that will not be built overnight. And it's great and it's costly. It's very costly. And that Bible says there in 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 17, those stones for that foundation... It was costly. I was wondering, uh, have you counted the cost lately? Have you sat down and said, you know what, Lord, I love you, and uh, I love you like it says, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. <laughs> and I just wanted to sit down and count the cost, what it's going to cost to love you, what it's going to cost to serve you in this world. And then ask the Lord to show you through the Scripture. Have you counted the cost lately? A wise man, he counts the cost. A lot of Christians end up, they take off, kind of like the 50-yard dash. I remember when I was in uh, ninth grade, I was raised a, a soft, a little farm boy. I mean, very soft. 
oh, man, you think I've been big before. Man, I was, it took me 20 minutes to run a mile in ninth grade. Don't laugh, Brother Cole. Don't laugh. It's bad. I mean, everyone lined up there, and there's the big athletic guys, you know, and everyone's cut, you know, and you can see all the rippling muscles through the shirt, and here's me, soft old farm boy, big old belly, you know. Take off. Man, I'm in front of everybody for 100 yards. And they kept going, and I'm like, and we got four more laps to go. <laughs> and the old piano jumped on my back and it stayed there for, you know, three and a half laps. Have you counted the cost? It's going to cost. It's going to cost to be dedicated. It's going to cost to serve the Lord. And I'm telling you what, you don't always see repayment down here, do you? That's because we're laying up treasures in heaven. It costs. It's a great foundation. It's costly. But not only that, in that passage right there in verse number 17, I want you to see that the foundation is hewed. H-E-W-E-D. <laughs> he said, what does that mean? It means it was shaped by cutting or chiseling. Verse 17 says, hewed stones. Now that means if that stone was hewed, that means there's some work put to it. You realize that it takes work to build the right foundation for Jesus Christ. It does. It takes work. I mean, it takes the Lord chiseling you out. The kid's song, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. What a blessing that is. Not just the kids, man. He's been working on me ever since I got saved. Sometimes uh, uh, my daughter sings that one song, I'm just, however it goes, he didn't throw the clay away. Isn't that a blessing? You just don't go, man, what a stinking mess you are. And they throw you away. But you know what he does? He has to remake us and remake us. And then we get to taking and trying to make ourselves. We make the mess. And he goes, yeah, yeah, nice try. No, I ain't going to work. <laughs> and he got to remake us again. But it's huge. It's a huge. That means there's work put into it. You ever stop and think how much work the Lord has put into you as a Christian? You say, well, that doesn't fit my theology. I don't care whether it fits your theology. It's the truth. God's working on you. He has done a great work inside of you. And Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 says we are then supposed to work out what he's worked inside of us. But he sure has worked. He worked on us the moment of salvation and he continually works on us through salvation. Through our lives as a Christian. That's the foundation. It's a continual working. It's huge. The Bible says over there in Isaiah chapter, uh, I think it's number 51. Look at this great verse. Great passage. Isaiah chapter 51, God's working on you. A lot of times we think we've arrived and boy, the Lord could really benefit from us and we're not even ready. Bible says in Isaiah 51, 1, Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. You with me still? Look unto the rock whence ye are hewn. You see that? You are hewn out of the rock. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is our rock. And when you trust Him as your Savior, you become bone of His bone and flesh of His flesh. You're one with Him. And the passage here says, Look into the rock whence ye are hewn. You see that? He's still working on you. Uh, interesting enough there, your foundation, it needs work. It needs work which takes time over there in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 10, we find out they couldn't even do the work. It said the strength of the, uh, the burden bearers is decayed because there's much rubbish. That means in your foundation at times, there's so much work that needs to be done, you accumulate junk. And you can't do what you could do or should do or even want to do for the Lord because there's too much rubbish in the way and you got to get it out. It takes work. That's why those stones were hewed off-site, and then they were brought in. All that work was put into it, and that's just like you and me. I want you to see here in verse 18, when it, concerning your Christian foundation, your relationship with the Lord, uh, you need to get the foundation right. You know what you need in your life? Verse 18, <laughs> you need a stone square. See that? Ain't that cool? <laughs> it is to me anyways. You know why they had a stone square on there? So they got the thing right. 
And you know when you get saved, the Bible says you're complete in Him, right? In your Christian life, God's still working on you and you need that stone. You say, what's that stone square? That's the Word of God. Continually chiseling, continually chipping after you. And you know why most Christians, they're not square in their theology? Can I say it like that? Because they don't read that book. And they're just as broad-minded as the day is long and they're accepting everything that comes along and they're in love with the world and they're in love with themselves and they're in love with things they shouldn't be and they're all messed up with this and all messed up with that because they won't get out the stone square and use the stone square and get the foundation right. I'm just saying here the pathway to dedication, it needs to have that right foundation. I'm thankful that when the Lord saved me, He gave me the square stone there is. <laughs> That's it. You want your life right for the Lord? This book will square you right up. You ever build something and it's unlevel? That's frustrating. That's frustrating. But this book will level you out. It'll balance you out. It'll square your life and be able to do things right for Him. Well, not only that, you need the right foundation. But number two, you need the right preparation. You need the right preparation. 1 Kings chapter 5 and verse 18. I'll go back to our text there. 1 Kings 5, 18. Talking about the stones and the timber there. The Bible says, And Solomon's builders and Hiram's builders did hew them in the stone square, so they prepared timber and stones to build the house. You need the right preparation. Not only the right foundation, but it's going to take work, isn't it? It's going to take preparation. It's going to take preparation. Now I want you to notice here, go to uh, 1 Kings chapter 3. I want you to notice the right preparation. You know where it begins? You say, well, it begins with a pair of good work boots and a pair of good gloves. No, that's kind of like the end result of it. But I want you to notice when Solomon, the Lord comes to Solomon there in 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 9. I want you to notice the way that preparation starts. It begins with the heart. I look at verse 9. Bible says here in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people. Now listen, this is before Solomon became the wisest man on all the earth. You know what? The Lord came to him and asked him, What do you want? I'll give you what you want, he said. What do you want? You and I would be like, Do I get three wishes? <laughs> That's how you and I would be. And you know what Solomon says? I've got to have this thing fixed up first. I know me. I might be young and tender, <laughs> but I know me, and there's something wrong with this thing. And I'm not talking about the ticker. I'm talking about the seed of passions that runs my entire Christian life. And Solomon says, I need a heart adjustment. And I'm telling you, that's where preparation starts. It starts by having the right heart about the thing. I notice here he says, uh, give me an understanding heart. And uh, that's, what, that's what he asked for, the very first thing. And the right preparation, it begins with, uh, begins with the heart. Notice this in verse 7. The right preparation begins with honesty. Honesty. Go back to verse 7. The Bible says, And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king. He's talking to the Lord instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. A lot of Christians have this syndrome called big britches syndrome. They think there's something, something else for the Lord. Let me tell you what. Uh, he didn't get much when he got me. You say, well, you're just too self-deprecating. I had some uh, dear folks, love them dearly. They used to go here, don't go anymore. And he was all, oh, preacher, you're just, you're just too hard on yourself. I'm like, boy, I ain't hard enough. I know me. Some of the thoughts that you thunk this week, you ought to be in hell with gasoline britches on. I know me, I know my heart. And the heart's the first place, but it's a, the next step would be a good dose of honesty. And you know what he says there? <laughs> you know, the king, you know, the king says to the Lord, I'm a child. I don't know what to do. I'm dumb about this thing. Not only do I need a heart adjustment, but man, I don't know what I'm doing. You ever tell the Lord that? You, you ever stop and realize that you're worried about not praying the right words? That's why some of you don't pray. Now, some of you are lazy and you won't pray and we'll pray for you on that. That was good. But the reason why some of you don't pray is because you think it has some magical incantation or formula. But the fact of the matter is, you just taking the time to pray, the Holy Spirit therefore takes your prayer and he relates it to Jesus Christ and then to the Father in the will of God. 
Stop worrying about how you sound. Stop worrying about what you say and just get honest with the Lord. Just say, hey, look, I'm a child. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't care if you're 50, 60, 70, or 90. Just be honest with Him. That, we're talking about preparation. It begins with the heart, and then it moves forward a little dose of honesty. Just tell the Lord what's on your heart. Just be honest with Him. You say, well, I, I'm ashamed of it. Amen. Now you're getting somewhere. Too many Christians feel real good about being nothing. Talking about the pathway to dedication. It begins, that preparation begins with the heart, and then it goes with honesty. And how about this? The right preparation includes humility. Look at verse 9. Includes humility. He says, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? You know what Christians lack? Spiritual discernment. Spiritual discernment. You ought to pray that the Lord would give you spiritual discernment to be able to give you wisdom. See, some of you have a very good worldly sense of ability to judge character. Amen? Did you follow me on that one? Some of you are really good at it. Some of us, well, I'm in the, the us that don't, are just stupid about it. You say, what do you mean? I give everyone the benefit of the doubt. But some of you have been around, and some of you have that wisdom about you. You can discern characters and character traits and characteristics. Me, I'm like, oh, you're a Christian. You must be an angel. <laughs> and some of you see the horns and the tail. <laughs> but you ought, to be, uh, you ought to have a dose of humility and understanding heart to judge that I may discern between good and bad. That's it took guts for uh, him to say, you know what? I don't even know how to judge between good and bad. You ever stop and think that you actually know something in this Christian life and then uh, you get deceived by some dumb little thing and next thing you're all entangled in it? You're like, how in the world did I get here? You didn't have spiritual discernment. You got entangled. And it takes humility to say what? I'm not where I should be. Or I'm in a bad spot, Lord, and I don't know how to get out. Remember, we're Laodicea. Have need of nothing. The big sin in Laodicea is having a need. That's why when some people come to you with prayer requests, you're like, my goodness, all they ever do is have problems. Well, at least they know they have a problem. You get over there in Judges chapter 6, and the angel of the Lord shows up to Gideon, and he's threshing wheat over the cover of whatever it is. He's in, the, in, in secretly threshing wheat because the Ammonites are terrorizing them and the land and the people. And the angel of the Lord shows up and says, Oh, thou mighty man of valor. <laughs> Gideon's like, you kidding me, man. I ain't a mighty man of valor. <laughs> Unbelief. And uh, Gideon says, if I'm such a mighty man of valor, why are we in trouble? If I'm such a mighty man of valor, and if, uh, if what you're saying is right, how come everything's a mess? And that negative thinking, the angel of the Lord said, go in this, thy strength. The fact that he was able to think negatively, the fact that he was able to get humble about himself and not think so highly of himself, allowed him to have the right preparation and go and be used by God. Pathway to being dedicated, pathway to dedication is the right foundation and the right preparation. Well, notice this. Not only that, but I want you to see that the, the pathway to dedication, it needs the right cooperation. Back to 1 Kings chapter 7 and verse 15. 1 Kings chapter 7 and verse 15. It needs the right cooperation. And you get over in 1 Kings chapter 7 and verse uh, 13, rather, is what we want. Uh, King Solomon sent and fetched Hiram out of Tyre. Now I want you to think about this for a second. He's the king. Not only is he the king, he's the wisest man in all the earth. But you know what? Solomon can't do it on his own. You see that humility factor coming? He can't do it on his own. You say, well, he's the wisest man, he should know how to... Let me tell you what, in your pathway to dedication, you're going to have to come to the point and realize that you cannot do everything yourself. You're going to have to yoke up with people that love God to get some things done for Him. It's going to take the right amount of cooperation. Remember, Laodicea, I have need of nothing, need of no one. It fits our title. In 1950, J. Frank Norris took us out of the Southern Baptist Convention and established the Independent Fundamental Bible-believing Baptists. 
And now we are independent from independence. But let me tell you what. Solomon needed Hiram. And Hiram uh, was uh, uh, another name for that fellow there. But Solomon needed some help. And if you're going to live the Lord that God wants you to, yes, he develops you in private. Yes, he develops you on the backside of the desert. Yes, he develops you in the wilderness by yourself. But to get some things done, you're going to have to have the right amount of cooperation. Now, you're going to have to be singular in your separation and singular in your personal fellowship. But to get the work of God done, amen, you're going to need the right help. To get the work of God done, your church is going to need some help. To get the work of God done, the church member is going to need some help. Now I want you to notice about this help. It's the right help. Uh, notice in verse 14. Bible says in verse 14, he was a widow's son of the tribe of Naphtali, and his father was a man of Tyre. A what? What's that next word? Now, the right type of help is a worker. <laughs> Isn't that good? Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Takes work, doesn't it? The right type of help, the right type of cooperation is not some brother, sister that blabber, blabber, blabbers all over the place and never helps out. Now, we're good at that. You get the right amount of pulled pork, apple pie, and refreshment, we can all run with the best of them. But the right type of cooperation to get something done for the Lord is going to take some help. It's going to take some help. You and I need some help. You can't do it on your own. And I love pulled pork. Now, the right help is, is he's a worker, so that makes him what? Well, if you're a worker, he's faithful. The right, type of, uh, the right type of help, he's a faithful worker. Not only in that same passage in verse 14, but the right type of help, he is filled with something, isn't he? Not himself, but he's filled with the spirit of wisdom. You see that? The spirit of understanding. What's that verse say, verse 14? Uh, he says he was filled with wisdom and understanding and cunning to work all works in brass, and he came to King Solomon and wrought all his work. Now listen, to get the work of God done, you're going to need some help. That's why God gave you a local church. You're going to get the work of God done, you're going to have to get the right people and yoke up with them. And if you can't yoke up with God's people here, you're going to have to go find a place you can yoke up with. This isn't a prison. If you leave here, we don't talk about you for the next 30 days. We might miss you and cry over you, but this isn't a prison. If this isn't where God wants you, then you need to do the right thing and get where God wants you. Why? You need some help. You can't do it on your own. Even Solomon said when two lie together, they have heat. You're going to be cold all by yourself. You're going to be a loner for Jesus. You're going to need some help. You're going to need the right type of cooperation. Notice this, the right type of help, not only is he faithful, not only is he filled with the right things, but in verse 15, he's refreshing. You say, why is he refreshing? Because the Bible says there, that, I'm sorry, that verse 14, that he's cunning. That means he's knowledgeable, he's skillful, he adds value. You see what I mean? He's not just a dud. That's the right type of help, someone who is skillful, someone who is experienced. You ever stop and think why God gave you the skill set he gave you? He says, oh, yes, preacher, the Lord gave me that so I could go out and I could build a $300,000 house and I could get a, a retirement that equals my money that I made at the peak of my career. Look, that's not why God gave it to you. God gave it to you to be a blessing to the local church. Boy, I just dropped it in the punch bowl on that one, didn't I? You have to take care of yourself. You have to provide for yourself, or Paul says you're worse than, it, worse, worse than an infidel. And of course, the parents are to lay up for the children. So there's your responsibility uh, financially. There's your responsibility in this world. But you ever stop and think that the reason God gave you what he gave you inside that big old melon of yours is to benefit the body of Christ? Praise the Lord and pass the chicken. You say, well, how are you trying to benefit the, 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 the body of Christ? By preaching, by studying, 
by putting my hind end in a chair, which I absolutely hate. I would rather work 24 hours a day if my body would let me. I'd be outside and my wife would have to chase me around wanting to know what's for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And I'd be out in the woods with an axe and a chainsaw and my two boys. But God said, no, you need to take that, that hind end of yours and put it in a chair and you need to study and that's how you're going to benefit the body of Christ. How about you? You see what I mean? You need the right cooperation. God gave you what He gave you to benefit Him, benefit the Lord, but most Christians, all they do is they feed their guts with it. They feed their guts with it. They keep everything for themselves. But you ought to be like that boy who gave his lunch to Jesus. And once he gave his lunch to Jesus, he ministered to a number of people he'd never been able to minister before. All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. You don't have to, it's your lunch. It's your skill set. It's your ability. It's your money. It's your time. It's your family. You can keep it for yourself. Why? You're free. This isn't the law. But if you do give it, give it freely. And then go ahead and just serve Him forever. But to do that, it's going to take the right cooperation. You say, what are you saying? You need to yoke up with the local church. Amen. Amen. That's a tough thing in the latest in church period. Why? Nobody needs nothing. I'm good. <laughs> no, you ain't. <laughs> you ain't good. <laughs> You're bad. <laughs> right? Nobody needs nothing. No, I don't need the midweek. We're good. I don't need it all. Amen. Well, I do. I'm pretty pathetic. I think that's why the Lord uh, allowed me to, or, or called me to be a preacher. You're, you're a terrible preacher. You need everything, and then some. Well, the right help is refreshing. And if the church is going to move forward for God, if you're going to move forward for God, it'll take the right help. Amen? It's going to take the right spouse. It's going to take the right brothers and sisters in Christ. There are some brothers and sisters in Christ that are going to take you the wrong way. If you ain't got that figured out by now, <laughs> you need to get it figured out. Amen. You need to yoke up with the right people that God wants you to. And in the body of Christ, there are those who love the Lord. And then, stay with me now. I'm not being mean. I'm being honest with you. I'm pushing the 50 bark. I can be a little bit more honest. There are those that love the Lord, and then those who are just leeches of His blessings. I had a fellow ask me one time, do you love the Lord, or do you just love His blessings? I'm like, I'm going to think about that one for 30 years. I really love his blessings, but do I love the Lord or do I just love his blessings? And then, of course, there's those in the church that much reflect the same, those who help, and those are just awaiting a handout. There's fresh bread that we try to bake, spiritually speaking. There's biscuits, butter, honey, and some people, they just want the handout. I'm saying you need the right cooperation. It's going to take some help if you can do something for the Lord. All right, not only the right type of cooperation, but look at this in verse, uh, oh, look at verse 15. 15. No, not 15. Yeah, the right type of formation. You say, what, is, what are we talking about? We're talking about the dedication to the Lord and the dedication to His work. It's got to be formed right. It's got to have the right balance. It's got to be formed right. It's got to have the right balance. And uh, when it comes to the temple here, I'm almost done here. I'm just trying to get you to think about being dedicated to the Lord here this morning. And uh, I really want you to ask the Holy Spirit if you're as dedicated as you think you are. But that formation, there's three parts to that formation. You stop and think about that grand and glorious $500 billion temple. There's the part that the world saw on the outside. That was important, wasn't it? The next part that was important was the part that the believers saw, right? The Jews, they saw the inside. But then the third and most equal part that was important was the part that only God saw. And that's the same in your Christian life. See, it is important what the world sees. It is important what the believers see. Why? For their own edification and their own building up in the faith. And what's important that the world see is they see someone who loves the Lord, someone who's dedicated, someone who's sold out, someone who has uh, uh, de devoted their life for sacred use. And no, I won't do that with my body. And no, I won't go there. Well, you think you're better? No, I just have set aside my body for His use. And the Holy Spirit say, you ain't going there. 
That's the outside part, then the inside part, and then, of course, the part that only God sees. That's between you and Him. I can't see on the inside of you. Aren't you thankful for that? And you can't see on the inside of it. Aren't you thankful for that? I guarantee you we wouldn't even shake hands if you could. Why? All flesh is grass, but the right formation, there's three parts. Now I want you to see uh, the part that only God sees. Look at verse 15. For he cast two pillars of brass of 18 cubits high. You say, well, they could see uh, 18 cubits high. You know what that is? That's 27 feet. You know what you can see at 27 feet? You can probably see pretty good there. You know, I don't know what this is. This is about 10 feet, 12 feet, 13, 14. Okay. I don't have much problem seeing that, right? Now double it. I can see it, but now it's, I'm guessing. You say, okay, what's, what's the point, preacher? Look at verse 15. The uh, Bible talks about uh, the chapters of molten brass to set upon the tops of the pillar. That's five more cubits. Add another seven and a half feet. Now you're looking at 34 and a half feet to the top of the chapters. You're starting to get a little fuzzy now. Now there's a lot. Of, now what's going on 34 and a half feet tall? I'll tell you. You've got in verse 18, I'm sorry, verse 17, you've got nets of checker work. Nets of checker work and wreaths of chain work for the chapters. That's between 34 to 35 feet high. Look at verse 4. You've got pomegranates on the chapters. Pomegranates. Network. Checker work. Wreathing works of chains. You can't see all that detail. But it was all skillfully carved and chiseled and set out by that man Hiram we're not done yet that's 35 feet high 35 feet high now here you go look at verse 19 upon the top of the pillars were of lily work in the porch four cubits you are now over 40 feet tall in that temple and you know what's on top of those you know what's on top of those pillars on top of those chapters that's encased by check, uh, networks and chains and all that. You've got some highly detailed lily work. You say, what does it look like? I ain't up there. I ain't got a clue. Who sees it? God sees it. You see that? You say, why would you put all that effort and why would you put all that design and, and go 40? Ain't nobody in their right mind. They had no elevators then. That's because God saw it. And as you see the design and development of that temple, the higher you got, the more the detail grew. And the closer you get to Jesus Christ, the more the details require our attention. And so many times in your life, you stop at the top of the pillars. You say, why? Because no one's going to see it. And then you go a little farther and you stop at the chapters. You stop at the checker work and you stop at the wreathing chain work of gold and you stop and all of a sudden, but keep going. You say, why? There's lily work up there. And that's stuff you do that only God sees. Nobody sees it in the church. Nobody sees it in your family. Nobody sees it in the community. That's just stuff you do for God. And that's just, I'm saying, the pathway to dedication requires the right formation, the right balance. And you've got to have the right balance between what the world sees, what the believers see, and what God sees. Are you dedicated this morning? Are you worried about the things, the little things that nobody else sees? Like your heart. Like your response to criticism. Your response to preaching. Your inward response to reading the Bible. Pathway to dedication takes the right formation. That lily work amazes me. I could only think one thing that a lily is, and that's a flower. He's the lily of the valley. That's a picture and presentation of Jesus Christ right at the top of everything. The higher you get, the more the detail increases. Well, we're almost there. Look here in 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 40. Not only do you need the right formation, but you're going to need the right instrumentation to get the job done. You're going to be dedicated. You're going to need the right instrumentation. In uh, chapter 7, verse 40, there's some labors. 
there's some shovels and there's some basins. You say, what in the fire is a basin? Well, Grandma used to have a basin. You say, what's a labor? The only thing I can think is uh, something that you put water in. A labor and a basin are a real similar thing. One's probably a little bit bigger, I'm guessing. But I notice here this instrumentation, there's two instruments that is given there for washing where only one is given for working. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? There's twice as many instruments for personal washing than there is personal working. Just right there in that passage, I just see it's gonna, you're going to need the right instrumentation to get the job done. You say, all right, preacher, what is the washing? Your personal relationship with the Lord? Your willingness to cleanse yourself, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Let us cleanse ourselves, therefore, of the filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. There is, fil there is physical filthiness of the flesh, right? Things we audibly say, physically do, that are filthy. But then there's that spiritual filth again that nobody sees, that you have to pay attention to and watch the detail on. And I'm telling you what, to have be dedicated for God, you're going to have to learn. You're going to need the right instrumentation. Twice as much cleansing for what you have to do in working. You say, what's that shovel? Oh, that's what you do for him. You know, sometimes you got to clean out what you mess up. Like you peel back that foundation and get out the rubbish and the garbage. There's a shovel. Haul it out. Haul it out of the temple. Sometimes you got to get things out of your temple. Amen? There's some things the Lord will show you that got to go. Okay. All right, Lord, I hear you loud and clear. All right, then take that shovel of his word and, and throw it out. Get it out of there. The Lord says, I'm sick and tired of you bringing that stuff in through your eyeballs uh, and about time you shut it off. Okay, we'll go ahead and do it. Take the shovel of His mercy and grace and shut the thing off and remove the app and remove the subscription and stop going there. That's the work you got to do. But there's two cleansing instruments for one working instrument. Let's got to move on here this morning. The pathway to dedication finally... Mr. Fly on my hand. It really needs the right evaluation. Look at verse 47. Verse 47, and we're done with all the T-I-O-N alliterations this morning. 47. I'm so dumb i got to write it like that so I can remember. The Bible says in Solomon, verse 47, left all the vessels unweighed because they were exceeding many. Neither was the weight of the brass found out. I notice here in thinking of having the right evaluation to my dedication to Jesus Christ that some things were left unweighed. They were left unweighed. That means some things you do for Jesus Christ can't be counted and they can't be weighed down here. You know, uh, the independent Bible-believing, sin-hating, devil-kicking, King James Bible-preaching Baptists are really good at counting what they do right. Amen? This is how many we had in church today. This is how much we give to missions. I'm all about letting you know what we give to missions. Don't worry, I'm not, I'm not kicking that. And we're good at straightening pictures and telling everyone what we're doing right. But as I read this passage, I said, look at that. There's some things that Solomon didn't weigh. And don't you better believe there's a bunch of things he did weigh. Because God told him to do it a certain way and a certain measurement. He's like, I'm going to get that thing right but there's some things that you'll do in your Christian life, and the key to dedication is are you willing to let them go unweighed? Are you willing to let them go uncounted down here? That's the right evaluation. Or do you have to be praised and applauded and primped and prepped and all that stuff for what you do here? Our dedication to Jesus Christ, it takes the right evaluation of what dedication really is. And Solomon left some stuff out. Christian, can I encourage you this morning, what you do for Jesus Christ, stop trying to weigh it. Just give it to Him. Let Him be the one that brings it up so everybody else can count it. Let Him be the one that uh, at the judgment seat of Christ says, I saw what you did there. Your motive was right. You did it because you love me. And you let it go. And here, I want to reward you a hundredfold. He left some things unweighed. I believe, Christian, many times we just don't have the right evaluation of our dedication because we see that if we're going to dress right and we're going to talk right and we're going to do this right and we have this list of what we count, 
that means we're dedicated to the Lord. Can I just say sometimes you got to stop counting that stuff and just give it to the Lord and let the Lord weigh that out. I struggled with the formation of this message because I kept asking myself if I was dedicated. I said, well, you're the preacher. You have to be dedicated. Don't work that way. A title doesn't mean you're automatically dedicated. I get to study. I get to preach. I get to do what God called me to do. But that doesn't mean I'm dedicated. So my challenge to you this morning as we begin to close I want you to ask yourself a couple questions. Am I truly dedicated to Jesus Christ? And in my dedication, am I dedicated and given wholly to Him? Have I set myself apart from this world to be used for His sacred use? Christian, why is it in Laodicea that we're so willing to be used by anybody else? We're so willing to give a neighbor a helping hand. We're so willing to do whatever our <laughs> wife asks us to do. But when God asks us to do something, and He's given something for us to do, we fall short on our dedication. If the Lord wants you this week, will He have you to use? If you can't see any results down here, will you continue? Will you continue this path even in your death? You say, why do you say that? Well, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 2, David prepared, the Bible says, unto his death. David never got to see the temple built. But he prepared, the Bible says in 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 9, I believe it is, that David prepared in his trouble. And then the next verse, it talks about David preparing with all his might. You see, when trouble comes, it's a great time to prepare. And if the Lord calls on you this week to use you how he's created you, are you going to be there? Will he, will he be able to use you? As you are right now, well, that's the message this morning. It's a pathway to dedication. As the piano player comes this morning, I'm just going to ask you, are you dedicated? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ for his use, his sacred use? Say, preacher, I'm saved. I didn't ask if you're saved. I'm asking, are you dedicated to Jesus Christ? As she begins to play, we'll just open the altar. Maybe you can come talk to the Lord and say, Lord, am I really dedicated or am I just a Christian? I just saved. Oh, preacher, I'm thankful I'm saved. So am I. Don't get me wrong. But am I dedicated to Jesus Christ and His use? Am I consecrated to what He wants me to do? If the Lord's spoken to you this morning, why don't you come?